This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Hey, this is Mike Greenlee with Home Health Revealed. I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna, Hannah Vale. Hey, hey everybody. And uh, we've got a great uh, uh, guest with us today. You know that? We do. I'm super excited. Yeah, so I've known her for uh, about a year. And, um, okay. you know, we have a good partnership with Cantime, and she is the vice executive vice president of uh, sales and marketing. Is that right, uh, Kristen? Is that right? I say that right? Yep. Um, yep. I oversee the marketing and business development team here at Cantime. Yeah. And uh, so, it, and she lives in Tampa, so it's always hot in Tampa. One thing that caught my attention, it, it says here on LinkedIn, you have 6,124 followers. Is that real? And that's including Michael Greenlee. Yeah, so you have 6,123. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's kind of shameful that it's that low, isn't it? I mean, I, I had really high aspirations to actually hit the 15K mark last year, um, but I'm dragging sorely behind on that, you know? So if you, if you have any suggestions and whatnot, I'm open to them. Send them my way, everybody. <laughs> we can do that. We will definitely do that. Well, hey, we appreciate you being our guest. And, we, you know, we've got an important topic, right? So, yes. so home health agencies have to find the right software, a.k.a. EMR. It's, it's interchangeable. so important. I mean, it's one of the biggest decisions that agencies make. Yeah, by far, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, Kristen, tell us a little bit, uh, just briefly about what you're doing for CanTime, uh, a little bit about CanTime, and then we're going to dive into to some good questions on what agencies should be looking for when they're trying to find the right EMR. Absolutely. So CanTime is the number one software solution uh, for enterprise software across the post-acute care market, meaning that we are able to help any agency that is delivering care in the patient home um, from hospice to home health to home care to therapy, um, palliative, really covering the whole gamut there. And what I do for CanTime is I help them from a marketing perspective and getting the brand awareness out there, um, but also just making sure that really we are able to communicate the unfair advantages that CanTime is able to bring to this industry. Well, that's awesome. So now when you're looking for software, so you've got, you've got some agencies that are, are new, right? And they're, and they're looking for software. You have some that have been in the space for multiple years and they're looking for a new EMR. Maybe that EMR hasn't uh, progressed and, and became innovative and, and, and meeting their needs. What are some of the basic um, functionalities that, that agencies are looking for in an EMR or if they're not looking for it, what should they be looking for? Yeah. Right. So I think, I mean, it's becoming rare, more rare that you run into an agency that doesn't have a software solution or doesn't have experience with a software solution this day and age. And really, I mean, it is the single most important decision that an agency is going to make. So making sure that you really understand what it is that the EMR is going to do for you and making sure that it's going to fit your needs and your organic or your acquisitional type growth. Um, it's huge, right? It has ramifications that can really determine the level of success that your agency is going to have and that the care that your patients are going to receive. So making sure that not only it's user friendly and that it's adopted um, and that it's able to document from the clinical point, but also flowing all the way through to the billing is what's going to you know, differentiate things for you. And it's that payer diversification piece that I think a lot of agencies miss whenever they're looking for a solution. Because you come in and you start, I'm only in this one segment, or I'm only using this one payer right now. Um, But really, 
as you grow within this industry and as we've seen it evolve over the last 17 years, you have to diversify your payer sets in order to really stay relevant and to provide the care for your for the patients in your in your neck of the woods, right? And in order to do that, you need solutions that are able to scale with you. And this is where agencies really have fallen into um, some major challenges because they select solutions that meet their need initially whenever they're first starting out or they're focused in on a niche area of the market, but it's not a solution that's going to be able to scale. And if, if it is a solution that says that it's able to scale, you sometimes still run into bumps and bruises because of um, how they're actually executing on that scalability. Do you know how often most agencies are with a particular EMR? Can you say that again, Michael? You know, if I was an agency, how long does an agency typically stay with one specific EMR? Well, that's a good question. And um, I think what, we're, what we see is whenever you sign up with an EMR due to the cost of it, because it is a significant cost center for the, the agency, that you're going to stay with that anywhere from four to five years um, at a minimum, right? Um, just to be able to get your ROI back. And just because of the, the pain and the challenges that it takes to implement all of that change across um, large organizations. You know, that's a really good point. So, and I, I think you're spot on there that most agencies don't think about that, but this is a four to five year decision. It's not just a one to two year decision. If this doesn't work out, let's, let's move somewhere else. Now I, I, I have noticed that in this market, and I, I don't know if you know this, Kristen, but I used to sell software. Did you know that? I do know that. And I think it's crazy that we just got to know each other over the past year. Um, whenever we've both been uh, dilly dallying in this industry now for as long as we have, you know? Yeah. I don't think I was very good. That's why I'm not doing it anymore. Well, she said you were dilly dallying. <laughs> well, I probably was. <laughs> I probably was. But you know, those demos can be like an hour to two hours long. And, and I do think I have ADD self-diagnosed, but when I was sitting through those demos, I was like, man, I can't do this. Right. You know what I mean? This is tough for me. Um, but, but I overcame it, went to revenue cycle management, you know, why not? So now Kristen, yep. um, w- within the EMR, so what are, what are some of the, the most common, uh, functionalities that agencies are looking for, or, or maybe even on top of that, what are some that they forget that they need to be looking at within the functionality of the EMR? It's really interesting because um, a lot of the, the leads and opportunities that come to different electronic vendors whenever you're doing the searches and whenever you're really looking how they arrive at your, at your doorstep, it's usually because of a, a symptomatic problem. It's not because of, you know, hey, I want to find a new EHR, EMR, right? It's because, listen, my um, I need something that's more user-friendly. I need to be able to easily schedule. I need to be able to easily find my caregivers. Um, I need to be able to integrate with XYZ partner. Um, it's, it's those types of things that start the thought process of dissatisfaction with customers, right? Um, it's, you know, who has good customer care or um, who's, who's got this piece on EVV that's able to meet the regulatory requirements. And then that really is what starts the, the process for them of, oh, I have a bigger problem here. It's not just I need to um, find a way to integrate X, Y, and Z. I actually have a, a, a massive issue here that could be resolved if I just change out my, my one vendor, my EMR, and find somebody that's better fit for the purpose um, all the time. And some of the biggest um, sales that I've made in my career have been from opportunities coming to us of saying, hey, I just need to solve this one little problem. They were like, I'm not interested in buying the full thing. But 
lo and behold, they, that's actually what they needed was the, was the full EMR. Now, does it, does it matter if you're in a different state, if you're an agency or is there certain softwares that are better in different states that would that matter to me if I'm let's say in California or New York or, or Florida or Minnesota? Did I cover all kind of the, I think you I, got all the geographical I, regions. Yeah. I think I got a C in ge- uh, geography. Well, that's a good question because it really does depend on what your payer mix is. You know, for a Medicare agency, um, you know, they can be very similar across state lines. But for somebody that's servicing um, unique private pay payers, uh, private duty payers, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, or Medicare Advantage, or they are servicing Medicaid, um, if you know one state, you know one state, right? That's the old uh, adage there. So really from... Um, you know, making sure that you actually choose an EMR that is able to handle all of those needs. That's a very uh, important part of the due diligence process that agencies have to do. And they really do have to ask those questions because if you don't ask them, then assumptions are made. And, you know, um, a lot of EHRs won't uh, come clean with the fact that maybe they don't have everything built out for the state Medicaid program that you're, you're needing it for. So, really making sure that you get down to that level of detail is very important. So you mentioned some regulation issues, and I know as agencies are getting into electronic medical record systems, and uh, a lot of the questions that they're going to have are around those trainings and types of support that they can expect from an EMR. So from your experience, what is really needed as far as training and support when an agency is adopting a new EMR system? That's a, that's another really important one. And it's, it's, it might actually be the most important part of rolling out an EMR is setting the tone for how it's going to get rolled out, right? And who's going to get trained. And definitely don't make assumptions during that process. It's a two-way street. It really is. Um, a lot of agencies will come in on board and believe that everything needs to be handled by the, the vendor. And the vendor will believe that everything needs to, um, they're going to teach one person and they're going to roll out that information. So making sure that you ask all of those questions of how is critical. Um, but the best recipe for success is whenever you guys partner together. And when you have a dedicated project team on both sides, um, you have expectations that are clear on what your go-live needs are, what the regulatory requirements are for those go-live needs, and you guys get to business of really actioning through all of that. Um, and then one of the competitive advantages that CanTime really brings to the table with this is our onboarding portal that we've developed ourselves. Um, it's way better than any kind of Microsoft project plan or anything like that because it's interactive and it's within the database and it allows agencies to really be able to, as they're rolling out, enter the data within their environment um, and follow the task plan to be able to see who's, who's responsible for what and where things are left off at. Um, so solutions and tools that are going to help you and support you and being able to go live, that's absolutely important. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree it boils down to excellent communication and expectation setting. Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned that EMR is an investment by far. Mm-hmm. It, it is a it's an important investment. You know, back to my days when I was selling, we had two options for implementation. We had one option where you could kind of do it remote and another option on site. And one of the things I had found is that when agencies, you know, because they're making that investment, that they that the ones that invested in the on-site training, it was by far way, way better experience for them and for the vendor, that relationship, 
than if they did it remote. What what type of experience have you guys seen in, in those two examples? Without a shadow of a doubt, I agree with you um, on that statement. The, I mean, you can accomplish a lot remote. And I think if it, we learned anything from this past year, we learned that lesson, that we can do a whole lot effectively remote, but that when given the option, in-person is always going to be more beneficial and effective because just from a human nature perspective, humans thrive and do better when we're collectively together as a group, right? Um, and you're able to ask questions. You're able to see people's reactions. You're able to catch the side conversations and really be able to help people work through the challenges that maybe they're not voicing during a remote call. Um, it's it's very similar to, you know, I mean, I don't want to equate this to kindergarten, but you, if you have a bunch of kindergartners on a virtual call, it's like herding cats. Um, and it's a, this is an important decision. This is an important rollout and making sure that all of your people are, are cued in and, um, not getting distracted and that you're answering those questions. Um, it might be a little bit more costly to have on site training for the whole thing, but it's certainly worth it hand over fist, um, on what the return is for you guys and the level of success. Yeah. You know, an area that agencies have, have always struggled is is recruiting talent right and and the clinician is such a big portion of the the agency and um a lot of agency owners want to make sure that the software is really good for the clinical documentation right because if it if it's good they can go out and see more patients it flows through the system really well tell me a little bit about, about that you know how that should flow and what agencies should look for in the clinical documentation and have you seen any like roadblocks where maybe they've they've went made a you know, decision to go with a different EMR, but that clinical documentation wasn't what they thought it would be and, 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 and what happened in that type of situation or what they should be looking for. Yeah, it's, that's absolutely right, too. Because, Dan, with, uh, with the labor shortage as it is right now, reaching devastating lows, and the impact that that's having across the board with our industry, uh, it's, this is very real, very serious. Um, it hasn't happened in over 50 years to be in the situation where we are just uh, from an economy perspective and labor shortage perspective across the board. So making sure that you're making a decision as an agency that isn't going to, um, you know, upset your clinical staff and have them leaving to go somewhere else, uh, like that should be everybody's number one priority, right? And from a solutions perspective, um, you want to make sure that obviously you're able to bill and pay and everything. So it's um, which one if you're going to, you know, which one are you going to sacrifice? And the, the answer to that is you can't sacrifice either of them. But the solution should be designed in a way that's going to enable your clinicians to have the best of um, both worlds, you know, to get the user adoption, to get them using it, and to force somebody, to mandate somebody to use a solution is um, is pointless if it's not user-friendly, right? It's, you're not going to be able to accomplish that. So having a system that makes sense, having a system that um, – prompts them that allows you to do it right the first time and really manage your job by exception. Those are key pieces um, to making sure that the clinician's work life stays in balance and they're able to get the care provided that they need. Um, but all of that has to be done in a format that drives uh, successful billing, you know, for revenue cycle management, which I know is near and dear to your heart. And one of the differences with how our system is set up is in the back end, it really forces the the driving of that so it's done and configured right in the back end 
so that the clinicians don't ever have to worry about that. They don't ever have to experience that. They're doing what they know to do, which is deliver and provide care and document things so that um, it's captured within the system and that everything triggers appropriately. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm sure it spawned off a few others. No, it did. And it actually did. So when you say back end, uh, tell me a little bit more specific about what you're referring to on the back end and why that's why that piece of it's important. So that's your implementation piece of this, right? So um, you see a, a nice product, you, you want to purchase that product, you want to use that product, but it doesn't just come um, ready to roll, right? Like there's, there's some work that has to be done, especially with a solution that's as configurable as what hand time is. And you're able to configure all of these different payer rules in the back end, which is done through your implementation and your rollout, where we do a discovery phase and we're really understanding what um, each state, what your payer rules are, what the regulatory requirements are, and we're configuring it with you and showing you how to do it so that you can maintain it on a go forward as you add new payers. But why that's so important in the very beginning is that so that the clinicians, whenever they start using the system, whenever you start entering new census and patient data into the system, they're not having to make decisions on um, what this payer should require from a uh, either an authorization or an order. It is going to automatically prompt them to enter the required fields and the required data um, that is needed for that to actually be efficient and effective for them. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I, and I will I'll give you some some props here. CanTime does a great job with that because uh, we have we have uh, you know several clients that that are with you guys and and your your billing is is fantastic. And I see so many companies that are struggling with billing and it's really a direct reflection of of their EMR and how that's set up. And so we talk with people all the time about having the proper setup within their payers, making sure all that's set up the correct way, flowing through the EMR the correct way. And as agencies, you know, because everyone struggles with turnover, right, from time to time. And you mentioned the shortage and and and, and labor, and so you you have someone that implements a certain software, and then you know maybe those people are gone, and then you get someone else in there, and they don't really understand the software. So you mentioned your online training. Tell tell us a little bit more about how important online training is as you continue to grow and scale. Right. So um, after you've rolled out a solution, it doesn't stop there. Right. You know, so you're going to continue to hire people. You're going to continue to expand your organization. Hopefully um, you're seeing new levels of success and you're acquiring or you're organically entering new markets. Um, and you're going to have to bring people up to speed or you're having turnover that what everybody is experiencing. And it's just the age old problem that we've had is recruitment and retention. Um, CanTime produces a university and an e-learning site that we keep up to date with every single one of our releases where there's interactive videos, there's uh, notes, and there's also a, an e-learning which takes you through and allows the users to actually practice doing um, XYZ process, uh, entering a new order, entering a new authorization, um, an OASIS documentation form, all of that within a, a test database so that they can see. And it also goes through a graded process. So then from a leadership perspective, you're really able to say, okay, this person has got it. They've gotten in there and they've really been able to um, complete all these tasks and whatnot. And so we, that's a very important piece of this is that ongoing education and interaction that you can have with a solution. And I think in addition to that education piece, when I've gotten to be in the CanTime system and looking around, one of the things that I really find enjoyable is the data, right? So when you're an agency owner, 
you want to see that big picture perspective and you want to have something that's a little more objective to help you drive your decision making. And so EMRs can really help agencies leverage um, that decision making process process with data. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that in relation to um, agency decision making? Yeah. I mean, data is only as good as you using it, right? So everybody's mm-hmm. always talked about big data. We need to have access to this and you need to be able to do this and roll up reporting and all of that. But the reality is, is um, the user friendliness and actualization, actually being able to dive in and make it meaningful. Um, you know, a lot of agencies have felt that technology has really fallen short on that. So it's been a big emphasis uh, for CanTime to not only provide you with data, but allow you to drill straight down into, you know, invoice level and, and see what what's holding this patient up, what's holding the process up, where are we missing clinical documentation. Um, so just from a usability perspective as, a, as an end user in the system, having data that you can drill into and click all the way to the lowest level of where that data resides and resolve it right then and there saves you so much time rather than having to click and point and go elsewhere. And then there's also the the data as a service, which is, um, you know, you have a very large organization that has, you know, multiple locations and multiple states and you have a C-suite that sits somewhere else or a franchisor that's sitting somewhere else and being able to roll that data up to be able to see um, which locations, which regions are doing well and be able to make different decisions based off of that and being able to slice the data any way you want. Um, and that is another solution that we offer out, which is our data as a service package, um, leveraging technologies like Tableau as well. You know, um, one of the questions first question is always ask uh, a client or a potential client is what's their experience with, you know, outsourcing their, their revenue cycle management. And, and the reason why I ask that question is because, you know, have they been burned before? Have they, have they been told something that maybe didn't come into uh, fruition? And, and I see that as a problem on the revenue cycle management side. And I know during demos, um, you know, you're, there's so much to show, right? Uh, but what about the, the pieces of a, of a software that may not be up to par, but yet, you know, the company may not show it, right? Uh, no one really asks, but no one really shows it. And the next thing you know, you, you, you buy a software and maybe that functionality doesn't work as well. Have, have you guys encountered or in your 17 years experience, what advice would you give uh, a listener on, okay, when you're, you're looking for the right EMR, there are also other things to make sure that you do look for or ask that way you may not be deceived. Is that, is that a fair question? Yeah, man, it really is. And it's a shame too, but I, I do want to say though, I believe that as an industry and even speaking on behalf of not only can time, but my competitors, I believe people are getting better about this. I have hope that those tactics are tactics that are in the past and that they're far and few between, I hope. But you can't, you know, hope isn't a strategy. I love that book. And, (laughs) you know, as an agency owner and as um, an executive in this industry, you have to do your due diligence. And the agencies that have had the best level of success in making these decisions and purchasing solutions and rolling them out are the ones that have really done a great due diligence of 
saying, I have this scenario and I want you to walk me through all the way through A to Z of showing me this, this, this patient and this caregiver. And I want to see the billing and I want to see the payroll, um, get ready for processing and how that export happens and really walk through A to Z. Um, because it's very easy to lose track whenever you start with, um, patient Mary, Mary Jo, and then you get into scheduling and you're looking at Bill Smith and then you get into um, another aspect of it and you're looking at a different patient. It's easy to lose the breakdown of the workflow of how you arrived at that. But if you're able to watch a life cycle of one example or multiple examples, that's really going to help you um, being able to visualize and see that this is something that is really going to answer all of those those needs that you have as an agency. So if you're, if you're an agency, that was a really, that's, that was spot on. When you're an agency looking for, to switch an EMR, how many demos should they go through or who should they bring in from the agency to uh, see a demo? Yeah, I think it's quality over quantity here. Um, because I think if you go into quantity, you get um, the agency gets numb, the vendor, you know, gets redundant. Um, so I think this falls into it's our job um, in sales and marketing to do great discovery. And discovery isn't one event. The discovery is a series of events where we're understanding the challenges, we're understanding the business case, and we're understanding the payer mix that you guys have. And then we're presenting effective demonstrations. Um, where you end up going through quantity and doing so many demonstrations over and over and over is usually because there's been a poor discovery that's been done and you're answering questions on the fly. Um, so making sure that one, that you're working with somebody that has taken the time to get to know you and what your problems are, that's probably the first and foremost. And then secondly, bringing the correct people to the table. Like you said, don't make decisions in silos. It's not good for the business. It's definitely not good for your job. And um, it's, it, it makes sure that you as an organization are making a, an effective investment. So bringing in people that, you know, I'm not a specialist in, in all areas. So I want to surround myself with all of my specialists, making sure that they provide their insight and that you are documenting their feedback as you go is going to really help you be able to make a more effective decision that you won't have a buyer's remorse over later. Yes. So I'm, I'm just thinking through this process as you're talking. So, you know, an agency is going through maybe a few demos, asking questions. They've pulled in some of their decision makers all the way from intake to billing, some clinicians maybe to get each piece of the process uh, more defined and get some feedback from those, those key people. Um, and then going through a case study of maybe here's a scenario that we have, how would this play out within your software? Right? Yep, exactly. Um, so if I'm going into these demos, maybe what are three questions that are like the top three questions you would say an agency should ask an ER company when they're in a demo? Or be, or be even before they do a demo, like, right. So what are the top yeah. three, like, what are the top three things? If I'm, if I'm looking, what are the top three things I should be making sure I, I need to have spot on? Cause you know, Kristen, here's the deal. I always look like, it's yeah. like building a house, right? 
I always tell people software, like buying software is like building a house, right? It's it, nothing's ever perfect, right? Nothing, right. no software is perfect. Um, meaning that, you know, like when you build a house, maybe you want a big kitchen, right? Or you want dual, you know, dishwashers. We want a dual dishwasher really bad. Um, but there might be other parts in the house that maybe you, you just, you, you give in a little bit, maybe a smaller closet. I, that's how I've always kind of related to when people are looking at software, because depending on the agency, their services, how they operate, um, you know, there, there are just some main three things that have to really be working well. What would you say those three things are, what they should be looking for um, before they really get into the demo and invest a lot of time and effort and energy into that? I'm, uh, so I was thinking on the fly, I go, oh, where am I going to go with this? Because this is an important question um, for agencies to be able to take away. I think foundation is the first one, right? So foundation of your, your solution. Things that are really easy to overlook whenever you're in the process, especially whenever you're looking at some of these um, subscription-based technologies that you can just go straight to their website, sign up. It's super cheap, and the marketing slicks look pretty good, and you just sign up because, hey, that's going to meet your needs, um, that you might forget to ask during the due diligence process, and things that are really critical. And even this even applies for the monsters out there. And I mean, the monsters that have been acquired and are acquiring all these different solutions, and they're building this Frankenstein product of all these different pieces, you might make a, it might be really easy to make an assumption that, hey, I am going to be able to uh, have multiple time zones in my database, in my instance. I'm going to be able to cross geographic locations. I'm going to be able to bring in um, different payers. It's not going to be a problem. It says it on their marketing slick. I'm just check yes. Okay. Um, you know, you need to really dive deep and make sure that those things are true because you'll get, you'll find yourself quickly in a situation where all of a sudden you realize they don't um, handle West Coast time zone or it wasn't, it wasn't built that way because it started out as a small solution. Um, it was built out of Florida and they just now got a, a deal in on the West Coast and, oh, they need to be able to handle that. I promise you, your end users are going to be very upset with you if you buy a solution that's not reading the time zone um, for them and that whenever they print off their schedules, um, you're going to have mix-ups across the board, which is going to lower your patient um, you know, satisfaction across the board. So understanding those pieces, payer mix, are they able to really handle it from a configuration perspective, and getting those questions out, that is probably the first one. And then the next is going to be people. Okay. Who are you as an organization? Who are you working with? What, what kind of, what's your leadership look like? What's your um, rollout plans look like? How are you going to support us? Um, your, your customers, how are they, you know, get the references because that's a really great indicator of how healthy that organization is and how healthy you will be as an organization if you choose to go with them. Yeah, I've noticed. And then, um, oh, go keep going. Go ahead. No, it's great. Keep no, going. No, no, no. Sorry. So I was gonna. So a foundation, um, people, and then what's the strategy for your organization? Um, there, I was speaking with somebody earlier today. Uh, somebody that's very interested in looking at can time. They're at the early stages of it. It's a part of a really great big organization, and they looked at a bunch of smaller solutions. And some of the smaller solutions that they looked at, they actually love. You know. Um, but strategy, what is the strategy of that business? And what's the, what's the reality of that business getting acquired by another business? And then you find yourself in a Frankenstein mess again, right? Yep. So where are they going and what, what does the path look like? What is their 
mission, what brings them here today, and where are they going to be going tomorrow? I'd say if you can get those three things answered, then that's going to give you a clear indication if it's somebody that you want to continue to talk to. So something I kind of hear thematically throughout that is cost and value. There's definitely a difference in what it costs and then what the value of it is. Absolutely. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I love to negotiate, guys. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> negotiating is uh, it's a fun pastime in my house, my family. Like we, it's it's a great thing. But uh, the reality is, is, you know, if you're if you're whittling somebody down to a price point and and that's what's important to you, you're going to pay for it somewhere. Yeah, there's, so you want to want to make no sure that you're not. No, there's no doubt about that. You, you're you're spot on there. I, I I'm teaching my kids how to negotiate. I was like, hey, you guys got to start somewhere, right? You know, in this negotiation, but um, definitely uh, value is where it's at. I mean, the value of what you're trying to accomplish. I love how you talked about the strategy, understanding where are you at today, where do you want to go, and and what's the right EMR to help get you there. I, I think that was beautifully put. So thank you so much and. And Kristen, you, you've spent uh, the past 20, 25 minutes with us. You've done a great job. I mean, just really laying out, you know, the importance of an EMR, what agencies should look at, what questions they should ask, how should they prepare. Uh, really appreciate you spending the time with us. And, you know, there's one thing I've got to ask you before we let you go, because you have it on your LinkedIn. Yeah. I know I'm picking on your LinkedIn, but <laughs> I got to let Hannah ask this question because she is a big coffee fan. So I am uh, a coffee fan. And so when I clicked on your profile, I noticed right away that it says that you're available for coffee. So what's your, right. what's your favorite so, coffee? What yeah. Is what's that? your favorite coffee or favorite coffee shop? Is it a latte? Don't, yeah. t- don't tell me it's a latte. I mean, no, it's not. I, I'm a, I love all coffee. I really do. Um, at one of the home care 100s, I got turned on to Cuban espresso. Um, didn't know it was Cuban espresso, drank a lot of it. And anyways, everybody had a really great time seeing me run around after that. So I love, um, all different types of coffee, but be out of a creature of convenience, um, with Starbucks being as close as it is and as prominent as it is, um, I tend to always try all of their specialties. Right now they've got a specialty coffee that's the brown sugar, um, mm-hmm. oat milk. Uh, iced and it is just absolutely amazing not too sweet it's great but here in Tampa we are lucky that we have a ton of awesome local spots so um, I will a lot of time work at like a buddy brew that we have down here or we have caffeine uh, roosters here as well so I will check out those quite frequently too but I haven't found a coffee that I just don't love you know what, right. what about you, Hannah? What's okay, your favorite? Okay, so you said a Cuban espresso. I'm I'm imagining you mean like the Cubano, right? Where they put yep. the cinnamon in. They put it actually in the espresso grounds before they push the water through. Yep. Yeah. And it's just those little bitty cups, you know? They're, yeah. they're very deceiving. I thought, I was like, why are you giving me just a small cup? I'll take a big one. So, so after good. three of those. Okay, I, like, I call that yeah. the mom's dream because it's so much caffeine, but you don't have to pee all the time. Can we say that on this yep. podcast? I don't think you can. I don't think so either. I think we're going to have to edit but, it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And okay. So one of the like coffee gurus that I follow, he makes what he has kind of coined an oat Coke. And so it's half oat milk, half coconut milk steamed on top of the espresso. So like a latte, but it's, it's really actually good. You would probably like it Ooh, if you like the brown sugar. So it would be amazing with brown sugar. Wow. 
I love that. That sounds that sounds amazing. Yeah, we'll have to get coffee. Yes, absolutely. That sounds like a great time. Well, Kristen, I, I love the fact that you spent time with us sharing 17 years of experience in this and not only in home health, but also in the tech world. So we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. I know yes. you're getting ready to, for, to go to a conference. So we, we greatly appreciate you doing this and, um, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, um, what will we do? Well, right well, now we're going to, we're going to sign questions. off. <laughs> oh, we're signing off. We're yeah. out of here. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But yes. Thank you so much, Kristen. It was so nice to get to talk to you. Um, looking forward, hopefully, to getting to see you in person next week at the Absolutely. conference. So that should be fun. Maybe we can grab a Cubano. And uh, to all the listeners and people who are building those agencies, we just we believe in you. We want to help any way that we can. So until next time, when we're sharing more real stories and with, of real people and real situations for home health and hospice, we hope you have a great week. 